um, 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 um. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Stuck in the 80s, it's your host, Steve Spears. And B-Rad. And today we're going to take a rare but much overdue turn into the world of 80s television. We're going to honor a couple 80s movies that evolved into TV series. Don't worry, this shouldn't be too painful at all, should it? Do you have pain or swelling in your testicles? No, they're fine. Would you like for me to take a look? We are happy as always to proclaim that Stuck in the 80s is now a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile app. But we're not here um, alone. Brad has brought a friend. No, sir. Joining us today, long-time listener but first-time caller, a man with more television in his little finger than I have in my entire body, is my good friend Mike Pajaro. Hi, guys. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for helping us out. I mean, uh, TV has long been the um, Achilles heel of Stuck in the 80s. Yeah, and as I say every time we talk about TV, I don't remember watching this show. I don't remember this show. (laughs) Was this actually a television show? You're making that up. Well, you guys were out there having dates, and I was sitting at home on the couch watching TV, so I think that was the problem. That's revisionist history at its best. (laughs) (laughs) I like this kind of revisionist history. I will fall asleep tonight with pleasant memories of dates I never had and TV shows I never watched. Hey, before we jump into the meat of the show, uh, no pun intended, but we wanted to mention that Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by HelloFresh, the meal delivery service that brings healthy and quick meals right to your door. I've been eating HelloFresh for about three months now, and it's made a big difference. I feel better. I eat better. I don't have to worry about buying a bunch of food at the grocery store that I never get to use. HelloFresh has two full-time dietitians on staff who make sure everything that goes to your box is balanced and healthy. I even had a doctor's appointment last week, and I know I never talk about this kind of weird stuff, but even my doctor told me that all my good numbers are up, my bad numbers are down. I told him HelloFresh was one of the differences I'd made in the last few months since I'd seen him last, and he said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. And now you can order HelloFresh and save $30 off your first order. Just use the promo code RADICAL30. Go to HelloFresh.com, sign up, and use the code RADICAL30 when it asks for a promo code. If you have any questions, you want to know what this week's menu was or, or some of my favorite meals, just email me at steve at sit80s.com. So, Brad, let me, uh, let's talk about this week's show and why it's a little different. Okay. Um, we don't normally, like, like, we've, like we've said many times, we don't normally talk a lot about television. But we had this idea over the last week that some of our favorite movies from the 80s, and we do talk about movies all the time, 
were later turned into TV series. Yeah, we talked about it briefly on last week's show, and then after we were done recording, Steve and I started digging into it a little bit more. I'm like, there's a lot here. We should do some shows on this topic. So here's how it's going to work. Uh, Mike has a show. I have a show. Brad has a show. They're all TV series that are based on movies that we most likely saw you know, for the first time in the 80s. We'll talk about the TV series. We'll talk about the uh, the movies that spawned them. We'll have a few laughs. We'll uh, and then we'll head into our favorite seggies. So, uh, Brad, why don't you get started? What is your show that you're repping this week? My show, spawned from a classic '80s movie, is CBS's Fast Times. Hi, Brad. Huh? Oh, Linda. Hi. Hi. Listen, I need to ask you. Yeah, sure, but uh, make it quick. I'm on company time. Right. My cousin is having this big wedding, so I thought maybe you could take me. Me? Uh-huh. It wouldn't be like a date or anything. You would just be my escort. Oh. Come on, it'll be fun. It's going to be right on the beach. There's going to be two live bands, dancing. We'll have a good time. I personally guarantee it. Sounds incredible. You got yourself an escort. Great. You tell Mr. Cruz and Vessel, I'm really looking forward to the ride. So this is based on, I know, surprise, the 1982 hit Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which in turn was based on Cameron Crowe's book. Uh, it was a mid-season replacement on CBS. It aired in the spring, and it lasted seven episodes. Wow. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if like it's just like they only made seven, and that was just the run they planned, but it didn't get picked up for the next season, so I'm guessing the numbers weren't great on it. Mike, did you ever see this TV show? It rings a vague bell, but even I think I missed this one. Yeah, it was. It came and went before you even knew what happened. The re, the thing that drew me to this was not the short run time, although that's you know, Schadenfreude is always fun. But the cast, the cast is pretty amazing. Claudia Wells, fresh off of Back to the Future, plays Linda Barrett. Courtney Thorne Smith plays Stacey Hamilton. She of Summer School, uh, Melrose Place, and Ally McBeal. Yeah, James Nardini as Brad Hamilton, which he actually has done a lot of work, but not a, nothing you'd actually heard of. Wally Ward, also known as Wallace Langham, um, plays Mark Ratner. Uh, he went on to play David Hodges on CSI. A guy by the name of Patrick Dempsey. Never heard of him. Yeah, Mike. it played Mike Damone. Uh, Dean wow. Cameron, who was Chainsaw from Summer School, was the new Jeff Spicoli. The wig is epic. I, I think he proves my point about a cheap wig makes a costume. And uh, the only two people that really reprised their roles were Ray Walston and Vincent Chiavelli, who came back as Mr. Hand and Mr. Vargas. And why is that? Because they know if you get a job offer, you book the job. Yeah, especially when you're Ray Walston at that age. I, this seems like this seems like too good of a cast to fail. What what happened? What was? That's what, why I wonder if it, they just ordered a short run of it and then they just didn't pick it up. Maybe it's too. It could have been too expensive. It's too expensive, maybe, considering the cast? I don't know. Maybe the cast realized they were too good for it, and they all went their separate ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a certain truth to that. I mean, Brad, you, how many shows, how many episodes of this have you seen? I've seen two and three quarters episodes. That's all I could find on YouTube. How, how good or bad is it? I have to say, I enjoyed it. Okay. I, thought, I was surprised. I really went into it thinking, this has got to be just a stinker, and... It's not bad. It's, I mean, it's still television. Don't get me wrong. You're, it's not going to solve the world's problems. But I think it treats it pretty – I think the the scenarios they put forth are pretty realistic. And you're like, okay, yeah, that could happen. And it's there's this kind of a sweetness to it. I don't know. Yeah. So I sat through one of the episodes. And I just want to know, um, 
the tone of it seemed a little more serious. It seemed like it was almost a comedy drama more so than the movie. Uh, was that the case for the other episodes? Um, yeah, I think the tone's pretty consistent. I mean, the movie is not all hilarity. I mean, oh, girl gets an abortion. Heavy- <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the thing. The, the comments that a lot of the critics at the time said, look, they're going to have problems with this because so much of the show is, you know, kind of sex and drugs and rock and roll. And the, you know, the network isn't going to allow two of those three on the air. So they're left with a little bit less to work with. Mike, here's a question for you. I mean, is it inherently like, is it a losing almost like a losing bet in a way to make a TV show from a movie. I mean, the only really pure, totally, you know, wonderful example of how it's done right. I, in my mind is mash. Well, what they're doing is, you know, it's a, it's a easy get for the networks because they have the name recognition for a franchise and that's what they're betting on. And for some reason they never seem to learn their lesson. So, yeah, you can see, you know, if, if you're in the 80s and Fast Times and Ridgemont High is out there and everyone's talking about it, of course, you're going to race to throw that on TV. Right. The problem with calling this a race is this was four years after the movie. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but I think you're absolutely right, Mike. I think it's an easy elevator pitch. It's kind of, you know, lazy in a way, but, the, you know, sometimes you just need something to fill the schedule. And this is, a it, different, this is a different time. The network's ruled television. What if it came out three years earlier? So, you know, when Fast Time was just kind of fading out and then they, they transitioned to TV, you think it would have done better then? Yeah, I, I do because I think the late eighties. What did you say, Brad? Nineteen eighty-seven. Eighty-six. Yeah. I mean, I I've long maintained that the second half of the eighties is a lot different than the first half. Yeah, having having nostalgia for the early eighties and the mid eighties is kind of a weird sell. Yeah. Like I said, the episodes are hard to find. There are a couple on YouTube. If anybody out there has copies of the rest, I'd sure like to see them over some legal means, of course. Like you could invite me over to your house to watch the recordings that you made on your VHS tape back in the day. <laughs> and, uh, Brad can bring his meat thermometer, uh, his hey. digital meat thermometer. Hey, I'd or- like to uh, – show me a successful barbecuer who does not use a digital meat thermometer. Okay, I'm just you saying. can't. You can't. But are they Wi-Fi? And they're not rubber bands either. It's very, you're very angry about this. It's not Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> so the critics for this were, I think, mixed is the kindest way to put it. Jeff Borden of the Charlotte Observer said, the hippest look at high school life since the late lamented square pegs a few seasons back. And Mike Duffy for the Detroit Free Press fired right back with, with fast times, we have dull pegs. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's nice to see that Square Pegs is getting the respect finally as to do. I agree. The the preeminent uh, high school TV show of the 80s, other than Freaks and Geeks, probably one of the best ones there ever was. So, anyway, Mike, what uh, TV series have you brought for closer examination today? I have a show that many of you might not remember actually was a series uh, Blue Thunder. Yeah, I don't remember this one at all. No, me either. So you you definitely remember the movie with Roy Scheider. Of course. I love the movie. So, so we yeah, all yeah. watched that. Uh, he played uh, Frank Murphy, a troubled Vietnam vet who was called upon to test pilot the world's most advanced helicopter on loan from the military to the LAPD. And, of course. Uh, of course. We all knew that. Uh, you know, it, was, it was a big summer hit. Uh, it took in $42 million at the box office. 
uh, for the year. It landed in 17th place overall, just ahead of Yentl, of all things. Ah. Of course. Cross-dressing is not quite as popular as destructive (laughs) helicopters. So uh, ABC uh, tried to jump on the bandwagon fairly quickly, and they tried to bring the movie to TV just six months later and premiered their version of Blue Thunder on January 6th, 1984, with a few changes, of course. Oh, no. Yes, that's uh, always a recipe for disaster. So while the movie was very dark and gritty, the TV show, they had to make it kid-friendly. So it was light and often uh, pretty comical. And uh, I did not know this at first, but uh, Roy Scheider apparently was asked to come back for the series, and he declined with an emphatic no. <laughs> so he was too busy his checking part. his uh, sanity with his stopwatch. Uh, then Gil Gerard was going to be brought on from uh, Buck Rogers fame, and he oh, was nice. attached for, for a little bit, but then he stepped away. Aww. And then they finally settled on James Farentino to play the lead. And you probably know him from The Final Countdown. He played the air wing commander who got stranded on the island. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, There's so a he, movie that doesn't get out much anymore. Right. <laughs> you, 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 can, you can find it, uh, but uh, you know, that, that's a Yeah, but it won't find you. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's the rest of the cast that kind of makes this interesting. So his co-pilot is played by a young Dana Carvey in his pre-church lady days. Wow. And, what? And exactly. <laughs> and you can tell the show is kind of a vehicle for him because he does impressions throughout the entire series. So in the very oh, first no. episode, he does his Jimmy Stewart impression. Uh, reminds me of Jim, Jimmy Stewart and Shenandoah. Uh, Mitch met, met at B- Bell Bailey's place in a half hour. <laughs> you guys winning that one, huh? Never mind. Just uh, let's keep going. All right. Okay. With a full tank of fuel, the Mohawk's rate of climb is 44.6 feet per second. That's at a normal weight of 13,040 pounds. Now, uh, from, from Mexico to here, it should lighten its fuel load by, by 500 pounds. Sounds like the Beverly Hills diet, don't it? You concentrate. I am concentrating. All right. And he uh-huh. plays. Yeah. So uh, you can just tell they're trying to write it for him to launch his career. And I guess it worked because a couple years later, he was on Saturday Night Live. There you go. Interesting. So it's not he, just a helicopter. It's also a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> so he plays a computer whiz named Jaffo, J-A-F-O. Now, in the film version, Jaffo stands for just another observer. But for TV, they had to change it to just another frustrated observer. Oh. Uh, I thought maybe he was friendly. That just doesn't work. Fanciful? (laughs) (laughs) Forlorn. But here's where things get really good. So the rest of the cast is filled out by Dick Buckus and Bubba Smith playing former NFL players who turned federal agents who offer ground support (laughs) to the helicopter in the truck dubbed Rolling Thunder. Oh no! Oh no! Oh so my gosh! This is like this is like. Uh, did this end up being funny, or I mean, are they trying to make so, this funny? So they were, they were intentionally the comic relief. Uh, e- even their character names are great. Bubba Smith plays Bubba Kelsey, and Dick Buckus plays Ski Batowski. Uh, so they're not even trying to come up. I mean, with. in the movie, the guy who plays the observer gets killed. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, like in a like in a mob style murder assassination, and this is just. Oh, that's so funny. Jeez. Well, here's the thing. I think they could have gotten rid of the helicopter completely and just made a show with uh, Dick Buckus and Bubba Smith <laughs> and have them go out on their adventures, and they would have been on to something. Hey, this isn't a sports car. Who's the driver, you or me? Look, friend, we're going to be working together now, so try and keep your tempo, okay? 
What temper? He got a mean streak a mile wide. That's a bad rap that was laid on me in football. You used to bite people. That's a rotten lie. Look, I'm one of the nicest guys you'll ever want to meet. You just got to get to know me, that's all. I got to tell you that there's nothing you've said so far that doesn't make me want to watch this. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on board. So I want you to know, I want to do a thorough job for you guys with my research. So this week I went out and I got the Blue Thunder DVD box set and watched the entire series. Oh my gosh! Wow, well, which is of course only eleven episodes. Oh, oh okay. Uh, <laughs> was that a half hour, or twenty-two minute? There, there. Are, it's a, it's a long forty-seven minutes per episode. Oh my gosh! Uh, seriously, wow. But here's the thing: it sort of plays out as a parody of '80s action adventure movies because uh, you know, all the cliches are are there. The police chief is a by the book sergeant who wants everything done, you know, on the up and up, and you know the the lead guy is is a maverick who plays by his own rules. You forgot to <laughs> file your paperwork. Yeah, I don't know if that was new and fresh at the time, but now it it's just really kind of stale and played out. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, jeez. And you say you bought it on DVD, but is it available anywhere else? Can so, you, no, can I you looked rent- around. Not in any legitimate sources. Oh, okay. Sounds Very cool. Good. But Excellent. I do want to talk about one thing, because you can't talk about Blue Thunder without also talking about Airwolf. And here's the thing. Blue Thunder came out on January 6th, and Airwolf came out on January 22nd of the same year. Ooh. And and at the time, this was really battle for air supremacy. Exactly, like they really thought this was going to be a ratings battle. Uh, and in hindsight, we know that wasn't the case. Airwolf became a big hit, and Blue Thunder was relegated to the DVD bins at Walmart. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm I never saw an episode. I've never seen an episode of Airwolf either, for that matter. Really? Yeah. That should be required viewing. That's why we need you, Mike. So wow, that's that is. I'm, I'm, I gotta admit, I'm still pretty intrigued. I still like the idea of this. I may have to like, I may have to try to well, dig around, find some illicit copies. If you, send, uh, if you send Pajaro a, a self-addressed stamped envelope, he'll mail you some DVDs. Yeah. I could make that happen. So, in keeping with our one and done uh, theme to this week's show, my uh, TV series that I'll be celebrating is none other than Alien Nation. That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. So you all remember the 1988 movie, right? With uh, James Caan and Mandy Patinkin. Of course. Yeah. A late 80s uh, sci-fi movie. The storyline, a flying saucer crashes uh, in 1990, I think is the date, in the Mojave Desert. Um, the aliens on board are called, uh, what, tech- newcomers. Or- oh, right. newcomers? Newcomers. By humans, they have a, a, a few other uh, less happy names that they're called by the residents of L.A., um, sponge slag. heads, big slags. Yeah. Um, after a brief period of quarantine, the aliens are basically allowed to enter society and the workforce of LA. They are, of course, greeted with the LA welcome of racism, bigotry, uh, probably uh, police violence, and uh, fears about immigration. Uh, any themes that were uh, going through our real life today or not? Hmm. So basically, the, the TV show actually starts the year after the movie. 
1989, Fox, which was then a, a pretty brand new network. Brand new, yeah. Brand new. Launches Alienation. And it basically picks up the storyline right from where the movie left off, which is that um, uh, you got this grizzled police detective, now played by Gary Graham. Does he buy the book? <laughs> no, he's... <laughs> Reluctantly paired with a newcomer. In this case, it's uh, Eric Pierpot. In the movie, the, his character is Sam Francisco. Clever. Oh. Um, because the the storyline being that the um, immigration authorities were kind of getting loopy after having to name, you know, 250,000 aliens. <laughs> so they started so, cracking out the puns. Oh, man. Right. So during, so during the course of the TV show... You see, um, there's a, there's a, your uh, earth name is flounder. Yes. <laughs> your earth name is Pinto. You get, um, the janitor in the police station is a, is a newcomer. His name is Albert Einstein. Uh, there's a, there's a character, Wyatt Earp. There's Betsy Ross. There's Buster Keaton, Silas <laughs> Marner. Oh no. This is, this is my favorite. Kenny Bunkport. Oh. Norman oh. Conquest. Oh. May. Oh. May Ones and Paul Bearer. John Big Booty. <laughs> so did the writers just sit around one night really late and just get all uh, drunk and just come up with these uh, names? I hope I so. It was, it was probably it's cocaine. Brilliant. It's brilliant. So it, the TV show runs for a season. It runs for the full 22 episodes, 23 episodes. And it, it's, it does pretty well. People are actually liking it. But the network kills it anyway at the end of the season. They were having issues with ad revenues. They just—it was a brand new network. Huh. It wasn't as financially successful off the bat as they thought it would be, and they didn't have the yeah. money. Yeah. They didn't have room uh, for any any uh, you know anything that wasn't making money. It's like we can't have like this is our this is our thoughtful piece. Yeah, that we you know that shows our depth. It's like no no we're in this for the cash. Right. TV Guide in 2013 would later list that uh, Alienation um, on its list of 60 TV shows that were canceled too soon. But like the rest of our shows that we've talked about today, there were some significant differences. I mean, the, the, the plot line remains the same, but the original movie was very noir, very gritty, very dark, very violent. The TV show is more like um, a lethal weapon. You know, there's a lot of comedy, not always intentional, much more focused on the newcomer's family life. You know, the son is a bit of a project and he's gotten in trouble with the police and the poor daughter just wants to get along with the other kids in her, in her elementary school. I mean, it really, it really, it's not so much a police uh, yeah. drama as it is. I don't, just, I don't think but, I ever watched this, but it sounds like they kind of did what Star Trek used to do with aliens is use it to like, here's a way we can talk about, uh, you know, racism and those kind of issues without actually bringing in the primary players. Right. Is that an accurate description? Yeah. Yeah. The nice thing about it is you can still see all the episodes on YouTube. They're all there. Oh, nice. Including there's like a two-hour movie that kind of kicks it off that sort of like fills in the gaps from the, the movie to the TV show. And if you didn't see the movie, that's fine. You're not going to lose anything. It's going to retell you the whole story anyway. The one thing that's really bizarre, though, when you watch the TV series, it's like I said earlier, you know, racism is a big part of it. They drop the N-word a lot. In this TV show, interesting, a lot. The first time it happened, I, I've been I've been rewatching this series for the last few days. And I think the first time it happened, it was like I don't know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And I went, Ugh! and I texted Brad. I'm <laughs> you like, texted you, me yeah, immediately. Yeah, you texted like, me immediately. I was I was really shaking. And then, like in the next two hours, I heard it five more times. I couldn't believe it. 
That's crazy. Anyway, it's all there. Um, I think it's really good. It, it even though it was canceled, it became a comic book. They started um, some you know, sci-fi novels about it, and then later in the '90s, they turned it into five different uh, made-for-TV movies. That's a lot. Um, that a is lot. a lot. I remember when they came on; they were super popular. And this is about the time where I'm out of college now, so I do have time to watch TV. So I do remember seeing all these shows on for the first time, and huh. I remember seeing a few of the TV movies, which helped wrap up all the open storylines from the TV sh- series. Because even when they finished that first season of Alienation, it 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 ended on a cliffhanger, like nobody huh. thought yeah, they were going to shut the yeah. doors. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, it's a really good show. Um, definitely check it out on uh, YouTube. I am telling you, it ages very very well. Well, Steve, I just have to say, I think this is a great choice for a show. Um, you mentioned MASH as being a good example of TV doing a movie right. And I think Alienation is another a great example of that. Uh, if you go back and look at the movie, if you take out the fact that there are aliens there, you could pretty much keep the movie exactly the same and, and all the, the plots and the characters would work out the same. But they really don't get into the, the alien lifestyle as much as all, at all, as you mentioned. But it's a TV show that really gets into that a little deeper. And you mentioned, you know, the son is a, you know, is a bit of a troublemaker. Well, they explore that, you know, why is he a troublemaker? Well, because he feels like he's a minority and he's having trouble at school and all those kind of things. Uh, you know, they explore gender issues where, you know, the father, the alien father is the one who carries the baby. And, you know, it's kind of done for a comedic effect, but at the same time, you know, they're asking questions. Well, you know, you know, if you women knew what it was like to carry a baby, maybe you'd be more sensitive. And especially in t- <laughs> today, you know, it, it rings more true than ever. So I, I think it's a uh, very much an underrated series. Yeah, it it goes into religion because the aliens don't they don't all share the same religion. You know, some of them are more Eastern in philosophy than others. Uh, it goes into family relationships between you know uh, father, daughter, uncles, the whole nine yards. It's it, it is a lot deeper. It it didn't need to be as funny as it was, but you know. Back then, it's like you gotta have offer something for everyone. Yeah. So, but I think it walked that line pretty well. You know, keeping the comedy to keep people coming back. You know, because you don't want to be just hit over the head with with racist stories every week. So you know, you you lighten it up a little bit, but you're still basically teaching a lesson without people realizing they're being taught a lesson. But but you know what's funny too is is for a TV show that otherwise is so family friendly, I guarantee you somebody dies in every episode. Wow. Somebody gets shot. At least at least one person dies in every episode. Which is shocking to me because you're watching it and it's like, hey, it's a little joke about my uncle, my crazy uncle who, you know, this or that. And the next thing you know, bang, a, a policeman's dead. He just, wow. it's a little uneven in that respect. Well, they get away with it because it, it's, there are they mostly nameless characters that are being killed off as yeah. opposed to, right. So that's how they can sort well, of. Last night a cop got killed out on patrol by, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Or right. no, but you see it though. Oh. I mean, it's like Star Trek in the sense that uh, whoever's the guest star in this week's episode is probably going to die. <laughs> it's like a Y5O. Yeah, it's like, oh, my old friend from college. My old friend from college is now in this episode. Guess I guess he's going to get shot at the end of the show, and he does. Oh, no, they've been kidnapped. Oh, they're dead. They're dead. So yeah, it just it's and, – and the nice thing – not the nice thing, but you know, the fair aspect of it is that uh, most of the storylines revolve around you know corruption to some degree. And um, but it's it's handed out evenly between like corrupt aliens, corrupt humans, corrupt police people. You know, it's like it's not pile driving any one storyline over and over again. I mean, 
the whole point is, you know, there's corruption everywhere, and you know, these people are all going to have to find a way to get together and deal with it. So, well, that's a nice message. The whole world is corrupt. That's that's good to know. <laughs> yes, that is. <laughs> but you know what is not corrupt? The, the Seggies. Ah, yes, time to play America's favorite new game show, uh, I Want My Mystery TV Theme Song, which I believe is actually the first time I said it completely right the first time. So oh, I want some crushed credit. it. So you know how it goes. We play a snippet of a theme song from a TV series in the 80s. Seems kind of appropriate for this week's episode. And if you get it right, you're entered into a drawing for some swag. Uh, here's the good news for this week's episode. Uh, Mike has volunteered to sacrifice his um, DVD series, uh, Blue Thunder, to this week's uh, winner. Maybe we'll have to give them one more viewing just before I let them go. Yeah. Take take <laughs> your time. Take your time. There may not be a huge outcry for that particular swag. Uh, can I have the bottle opener instead? Right. But, I mean, you never know. <laughs> can I have I'm, a bottle opener that never gets mailed instead? Yeah. Well, you can oh, use God. the DVDs as a bottle opener. Oh, there you go. Problem solved. Boom. Uh, pay attention. Here's the clip from the last show. That, of course, is the song Then Came You from the TV show Webster. Did anybody, did you get that, Mike? Did you recognize that song? Uh, I did. Okay. I would not I, have. I was not. I was not a big Webster fan, but it, it comes up a lot when I'm watching YouTube and I have all my old... Uh, Theme songs from the 80s clips, and so it comes up in that from time yeah. to time. Somebody called it Different Strokes Light. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's... Uh, <laughs> it's, Is that good or bad? I don't know. I'm going to say it's bad. Then came you, performed by Steve Nelson and Gail Lapata-Lennon, uh, both uncredited. Um, Brad, read some of this week's wieners. Winners this week include... Lou, sweet Lou, Grilly, Scott, the Bowtie Man, Nick in the Hoosier State, Dave, Augie August in Pointer Rocks, Maryland, Kanak and Cali, Alan in Clarksville, Tennessee, Jay Swash in Beaver Creek, Tom Corn in Austria, Peter Ryan, good grief, this was too easy, Steve, Tim and Toadsuck, <laughs> DJ and Clinton, your main benevolent 80s overlord, Ron Raymond Jr., Cali Wolf, Donnie Gettle rhymes with metal, and Brock in North Dakota. Brad, spin the wheel. Let's find out who won the uh, swag. Mm. Um, you mean there's not a real wheel? I was hoping to see a big wheel in his living room. And looks like it's going to land on Cali Wolf. Okay, excellent. Uh, send us your snail mail address uh, at podcast at sit80s.com, uh, and we'll get something on your way. In the meantime, pay attention. We're letting Mike pick this week's clip. Here it is. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. And tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. I can't believe it. Don't you ever quit? I've been away a long time. And my roommate's still going strong. Renews it roommate air freshener with twice the freshening liquid so it freshens air longer than magic mushroom. Long-lasting roommate. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. I thought, let's play a little game we call 
What's your 80s obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession this week? Well, I'm kind of going to have to ask for a variance because it's really more of a 70s obsession. Okay. But uh, I am obsessed with Yacht Rock. Oh. What is that? Last summer, uh, SiriusXM had a, a temporary channel that was the Yacht Rock channel, and they brought it back recently, and I can't stop listening to it. I'm getting so far behind on all my podcasts. But it's basically, it's like all the late 70s, a little bit of early 80s, kind of soft rock, uh, a lot of Seals and Croft, uh, 10CC. Dan Fogelberg. England Dan and John Ford Coley. Yeah, some, some Fogelberg, a lot of Michael McDonald, whether yeah. he's singing with the Doobies or as a guest vocalist and stuff. And it's just... It's all this stuff that I don't know any of the... It's kind of from the era when I was listening to the radio a lot as a kid, and I don't know any of the song names or the band names, but I know every freaking song. Huh. So and what channel I'm really it enjoying What channel? It. it moved to channel 13 on okay. Sirius XM. Yeah. Excellent. But it's... Yeah. So, you know, you probably take it for about a week, and then you'll be like, okay, I'm back to my 80s stuff. But I've been really <laughs> listening to it a lot. Cool, cool. So, Mike, what's your 80s obsession this week? Well, besides sitting through an entire season of Blue Thunder, um, <laughs> which is a, a task in itself. Uh, so, no, my obsession this week is The Last Breakfast Club. It's a live stage production, a musical parody of The Breakfast Club. And some friends of mine went to it this week, and they said it was a lot of fun, a really good time. Uh, so I need to get some tickets and go see that. That's cool. It's playing out here in Los Angeles. Oh, Awesome. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, my obsession, I, I know this is a bit of a cheat. It's the TV show Alienation. I I literally have, I'm only like a quarter of the way through that season that I started watching. I'm going to finish Alienation before uh, this uh, week is up. That is my goal. I might finish it before tonight is up the way I'm going. Wow. I am that addicted to this. You know how I am with, with, with TV shows. Like I'll, like I'll watch West Wing on Endless Repeat for know seven months straight but for some reason right now alienation is the one i just can't quit so so let me ask you when you've been watching things so you know when i was going through my blue thunder the more i watched it the better i thought it got and i don't know if it was because the writing improved or i just became so numb to it that i started <laughs> you know just being like more stockholm syndrome it, well, something like that so yeah. maybe alienation is a quality show that stands on its own but uh, you, you know that's a problem with binge watching well, yeah, I mean, but you you know the characters better. They're more developed as, as each episode sure. goes on. I mean, at least if a show gets worse as you're watching it, that's not a good sign at all. <laughs> hey, um, special thanks to those of uh, you out there who wrote us an email this week and you know expressed your own sympathy for uh, Vavavoom Julie Nelson, who passed away a couple weeks ago. As as we're recording this podcast today, I know Ed is having a memorial party, you know, celebration for her um, out in California and Brad and I were nice enough. We sent them like 30 bags of Funyuns for the party. I don't know if that's so, nice um, enough, but we did it. <laughs> it's a stuck in the eighties touch. I think, um, I everyone, think right. anyone who knows the podcast well knows, um, that's the f- favorite snack food of stuck in the eighties. Again, uh, if you're liking what you're hearing, if you're enjoying the shows, please remember to go to iTunes and write a review. Please uh, support us by going to HelloFresh, taking a look at it. If you sign up, use the promo code RADICAL30. In the meantime, Mike, thank you so much for finally getting us on track with some TV episodes. It was my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. I think you guys are both great. Cool. Well, we can't wait to have you back and talk more TV. In the meantime, myself, Mike, and all those uh, newcomers, we remain here hopelessly. Stuck in the 80s. 
Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.